Welcome to the McLean Church Podcast, where we discuss how our lives and our faith come together in practical ways. Now here's your host, McLean Church Campus Pastor, Ben DiStefano. Well, hey everyone, welcome back to the McLean Church Ministry Podcast and episode three of season two. I'm your host, Ben DiStefano campus pastor for McLean Church Erie and McLean Church Digital. We are back answering your questions from the book Beginnings from Tyndale Publishers, which is the second season of our Immerse Bible Reading Challenge here at McLean Church. So thanks for joining us today and let's get going. As always, I'm joined today by lead pastor of McLean Church, Brian Kelly. Brian, great to have you back and uh, looking forward to what we have for tonight. Yeah, very much looking forward tonight as uh, we're thinking a lot about the book of Exodus. And I think we said last week that uh, that Genesis is my favorite book of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, Exodus is a really close second. <laughs> these, uh, these two these two books work together to, to give us such a foundational understanding of the rest of the biblical record that really excited today for uh, being able to engage around some of the questions that have come in. Yeah, Exodus is a is is a is a good read. It's it's yeah, it's it challenging. Is. Um you know, we're we're now in week 4 of our readings um uh, beginning today having having finished most of or half of Exodus um where where God is doing some uh remarkable things in and dealing with Israel in the in this idea of of enslavement, being trapped, exiled, uh, and then being freed, yeah. uh, this there's a there's a the the backdrop of redemption begins yeah. to to really take yes. place uh, in this in this in this uh, setting in this story, and it deals with the ups and downs of of following God. But uh, right in the middle of this book, we have this back and forth between Moses and Pharaoh. Yes, it, it's this classic protagonistic antagonistic battle. Um, and there's this there's this phrase that some of our readers caught, and yes. um, it's 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 our it's our lead question tonight, and it might yeah. be our only question tonight. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how, how far yes. how deep we get into this. Yeah. It's at least our starting question, yes. and it, and and the the phrase is this: the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Yeah. So I was so glad to see this question because it really gets at so many issues related to how we interpret the Bible. And uh, I'm anxious to spend a lot of time on that today. Uh, Before we take on that question specifically, you know, just a couple words about the book of Exodus overall. And um, uh, if you're part of our uh, series that we're doing each week on the book of Leviticus, you know, we've talked quite a bit about Exodus really being sort of a season one of this unfolding biblical drama. And um, uh, historically, a number of scholars have understood really the biblical narrative is is in earnest beginning with the book of Exodus, that the book of Genesis is really a prologue to the start of the narrative, which is all about God hearing the cries of the oppressed God coming to the aid of those who are enslaved and treated unjustly about God bringing freedom and redemption to the people who call out to him. And of course, that takes us to this this interplay uh, between Moses and Pharaoh uh, that leads, of course, to the plagues coming against the nation of, uh, of Israel. 
And we do encounter this fascinating phrase about God hardening the heart of Pharaoh. And what I love about this phrase and the questions that it raises is again, that it really takes us to the core of our principles of biblical interpretation. And it reveals, I think, um, a common misunderstanding uh, that many of us have had about what it means to view the Bible as, as an inspired text, about what it means to understand the Bible as, as, as quote unquote, the word of God, as what it means to uh, look at a passage like this and try to make sense of it in light of other teachings in the scripture. So I'd like to take us on, on a little bit of an exercise and, and Ben, mm-hmm. uh, you'll, you'll have to, you'll have to play the, uh, the crowd uh, in response, but, uh, and we are, we are taping with a live audience. So certainly if, if some of the rest of you want to uh, want to pitch in here, suppose, um, suppose we were reading a story like the story found in the book of Exodus, but we didn't know it was written in a biblical book. Mm-hmm. Let's let's say that we found a a book that um, oh p- p- pick a time period that, that dated from the the ninth century BCE mm-hmm. uh, by uh, by Benjamin de Stephanimus. Okay, <laughs> and it was a history of the liberation of Israel. Okay, and we knew this book was not in the biblical collection. This was just a book from antiquity. Mm-hmm. And we read about the interplay between Moses and Pharaoh, and we came across this phrase, God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Now, from our perspective of reading this ancient text, we would think a couple of things. First of all, we would probably think about what we know of God. In our present day position and perspective, having the benefit of uh, knowing the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the theology that was created by the New Testament writers, the tradition of the church for centuries, and our own experience of God, what would we say we know about God? Well, if we know anything, we know that that God is love, Uh right? Uh, New Testament writers say things like, God is loving toward all he has made. Um, Another New Testament writer says, you know, God is not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Um, gospel writer John, God so loved the world. From our perspective in the present, we would know that God is love. We would also, in our present day perspective, we'd know something about the ancient world, wouldn't we? We'd know that at the time period this story was reflecting, that the world is very religious and that the gods cause everything, Mm -hmm. particularly the things we can't explain. We'd know that in an ancient world mindset, the gods are responsible for everything, especially the things that we can't explain. Mm -hmm. 
So if we have a bizarre weather event that we've never seen before, the gods have to be responsible for that. If, um, if, if this amazing thing happens with our crops this year that we've never seen before, we have a harvest like we've never witnessed, the gods are responsible for that. If we experience something uh, in, in the physical world that we can't explain in the ancient world, the gods are behind all of that. How do you explain Pharaoh refusing to pay attention to these 10 devastating plagues that come against ancient Egypt. How do you explain that in the ancient world? Well, the only explanation for what you don't understand is that the gods, or in this case, the God, must be responsible for it. The writer of this text, if we were reading it outside of the Bible, we would just understand that the writer is using the perspective of his culture in his day to describe a reality that he is witnessing. The Bible does this all the time, and we have no issue with it. But when it comes to texts like this, all of a sudden, we get all concerned because, well, if it says God hardened his heart, and I believe that the Bible is inspired, doesn't it mean that God hardened his heart? Well, let me ask you another question. <laughs> um, the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, uh, one, one episode among many, many of uh, similar episodes in the biblical record. Uh, Ecclesiastes 1, chapter 1, verse 5 says, The sun rises and the sun sets, and then it returns to the place it rises. Is that a true statement? Well, if you say it is, you need to look for another place to work because you're crazy. Uh, we know from our present day perspective on the universe that the sun does not rise and the sun does not set and the sun doesn't go anywhere, does it? But in the 5th or 4th century BCE, when the book of Ecclesiastes is written, what is the understanding of the universe? It's, it's a geocentric understanding of the universe that everything moves around the earth. And we understand why people would have had that viewpoint, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what it looks like, right? It looks like the earth stands still and everything moves around us, but we know, uh, conspiracy theorists uh, apart about the Apollo moon landing, you know, we know this is not the truth. <laughs> the earth moves. The sun does not move. And of course, uh, gold star for anybody who, who, who can think of uh, the, the name of the fellow who, 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 who popularized that theory. Begins with a C. Copernicus, right. And actually, um, there's, there's evidence now that, that that theory existed uh, way before Copernicus, but he was the first who, 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 who made, it, made it popular. Um, 
guess who opposed the theory? Well, yeah, I'm not sure if the Pope actually did, but the the church people yeah. opposed the theory. Why? Well, because the Bible says the sun rises and the sun sets. And for the 16th century, all the religious leaders that you and I respect in antiquity, John Calvin, Martin Luther, Erasmus, they said Copernicus is crazy because he doesn't take seriously the Word of God. Hmm. Now, does anybody here today think that the sun revolves around the earth? Do any of us think any less of the Scriptures because a 5th century BCE document describes it that way? Not at all. We understand that the author was using the knowledge he had and the reference point he had to describe what he saw. The author of the book of Genesis is using the understanding of the world he had to try to describe what was unexplainable to him. How could anybody in the light of 10 incredible, overwhelming, amazing plagues, demonstration of God's power. How could anyone not pay attention to that? Well, for that ancient author, the, the, the only answer is God, God had to cause that, right? Because that's the only explanation. From our present day perspective, we have the ability to now look at the rest of the unfolding of the biblical narrative particularly the unfolding of that narrative in the life and person of Jesus, in the unfolding of that narrative in the New Testament writers, in their theology that they put forth, in the unfolding of that narrative for 2,000 years since the time of Jesus. They say, no, no, no. God, God doesn't harden a person's heart. God doesn't cause a person to do evil. In fact, it's the book of James. It says, you know, no one would tempted should say, God is tempting me. Well, this is a, a, a direct contradiction mm -hmm. to this idea that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. We don't see it as a contradiction because we understand what was happening. We understand the ancient author using his perspective, his worldview, to describe what he witnessed. Now, a couple other things that we have to say about this, which is so, so, so very important. We do this with every other type of document that we read. Again, if we were reading this story outside of the biblical record, this is what we would what we would naturally do, but we've developed this idea, and 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 I think in fairness we we've been somewhat taught it that when it comes to the biblical text, you have to use a whole different set of rules, and now things that apply when we look at any other work from the ancient world they somehow don't apply here because somehow in the process of inspiration, God 
took over the author's mind and transported the author thousands of years into the future so that he could write from our present day perspective and mindset mm -hmm. and that everything he said we can now directly transfer in, in, into the present with no attempt at, at contextualization or interpretation and that somehow that's how the whole thing works. That's just craziness. And aren't you glad that we live in relationship with a God that doesn't do that with any of us, but instead works with all of us in our present context and with our present understanding? Hmm. So I dare say that a hundred years from now, people will listen to a podcast like this and say, can you believe they thought that? <laughs> can you believe a hundred years ago they were saying stuff like this because they thought this? Mm -hmm. you know, but are you glad that God doesn't transport me out of my context to do something, you know, sort of reminiscent of, of like Star Trek or something, moving me that far into the future? instead works with me in my present context and present setting with what I understand about the world and helps me grow in greater understanding of him through it. So did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Well, that was certainly what the ancient author thought he was doing. Is that what he was doing? Not if we take the life of Jesus and the teaching of the New Testament seriously. Mm -hmm. So how would we how would we explain that then that that Pharaoh was just being stubborn himself and just it was his own volition and and the and, uh, the author the author of the book of Exodus is an Israelite mm -hmm. he's going to have no sympathy toward the Egyptians or no attempted uh, insight into why Pharaoh did this. By saying God hardened Pharaoh's heart, it's it's almost like the, the 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 author is saying this guy was the most unbelievable idiot in the world. Right. Because there is no explanation for why he would have done this. Uh, yeah. It, it, it must be, be that God hardened his heart. Yeah. Right. Right. It had to be divine influence. Well. If we took the Egyptian side, mm -hmm. we could say, well, you know, there's there's all kinds of reasons why Pharaoh uh, wouldn't have given in to the Israelites. Now, number one, his his whole labor force for empire building right. is going to be out the door <laughs> right. if, if he gives in. So, again, we're, we're reading this from an Israelite perspective that 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 kind of in an underhanded way wants to say no rational human being would have ever resisted what God was trying to do through Moses, except this idiot named Pharaoh. Right. And, and man, God had to do it because nobody in the world could be that stupid. Right. We, we kind of land on phrases yes. and just magnify them beyond their... their yeah, absolutely. Mountains and, out of molehills. And the thing is, we don't do that when we read other literature of the mm -hmm. same time period. 
We don't do that. Why, why do you think the church does that? And I use the church inclusive of all of us. Um, just why do we do that? Like, why can't we extend grace backwards and forwards? Be, because I think, uh, and we talk so much about this, and it's so important to understand our current setting and our current understanding. Our post-enlightenment mindset, of which most of us listening are still products, could not deal with things not being absolutely defined and clearly delineated. We couldn't deal with the unknown. We couldn't deal with mystery. We couldn't deal with gray. Mm -hmm. So everything had to be exact. And again, this was not, this was not all bad at all. I mean, we, <laughs> we, we are where we're at because of this desire for exactness. But as movements in history go, you know, the pendulum swung too far toward the Enlightenment side, and we lost this ability to engage with the biblical text as an art form, mm -hmm. as, as, as the living, breathing Word of God in both past and present. And, and we needed, we needed because of our desire for definition and exactness, to be able to define every situation clearly in terms of what it means in the present. Therefore, the way you do that is you see the text is very wooden, very literal, and you approach it solely from your present day perspective and force it to fit what you think it should be saying. And the proof of that, if you look at, um, uh, I mean, we could, we could probably put, put 10, if not 100 commentaries in front of us today of, of, of present day biblical scholars who will jump through all kinds of hoops to try to explain that this is actually what God did. God forced Pharaoh to be disobedient to him so that the Israelites could have this grand victory. And they'll jump through all kinds of hoops, all kinds of gyrations to make that fit. And it's just craziness. Mm -hmm. Why can't we let the biblical author be who he was and let God speak through him as he did in the present moment and use the, 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 the intelligence and perspective God has given us in the present to say, I get why he said that, and I also understand in the light of the rest of Scripture, in the light of, of tradition in history, that this is not what was happening. Mm -hmm. So something bigger is going on there. So I got I got a hundred questions in my head with that. So um, and we're um, out of time, and we're out of time. So, <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, uh, just it. it I, I I appreciate that, and I agree with that a hundred percent. I think we've lost. I lost what I was going to ask, and then I found it. Uh, so, so I, so I appreciate that and agree that it's, it's a great perspective for us to have. It goes back to what you. I, I was thinking about what you said a moment ago. How uh, we all want to say the the word of God is living and breathing and and active, and in our and what I was thinking was in our post enlightenment or in our enlightenment era and, and post enlightenment where we always have to have an answer to everything. Yes. There, there is no yes. gray. There is yes. no, everything's black or white. Um, 
it's very scientific. There's a scientific, we, we, so we're approaching scripture with a scientific, you know, uh, answer for everything that goes, that goes on. And again, not that it's necessarily a bad thing, but maybe there's not a chapter and verse for everything yes. that happens in the world. Right. Um, maybe there is room for gray. But what 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 we're looking for is um, the, that scientific answer. You know, and, and and what we've not done is allowed it to be art. Mm-hmm. We've not allowed it to be the artistic. Um, uh, manuscript that it is and it reminds me of of so now where we are from our perspective 21st uh century um looking looking back we're looking back and doing that to it but yet we also do it looking forward because we do it with revelation (laughs) yeah which is probably as much as we do it with some other books revelation is probably the one that we sure that in our culture we really sure land on and and i remember last summer when we were um, talking about uh, the book of Revelation, you you mm-hmm. mentioned that as well, yeah. that we need to allow it to be what it is in its context. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, the real, the real shame of all this is that it causes us to miss the bigger story. You know, so again, in the account we're talking about in Exodus, the, the, the story is not about the hardness of the heart of Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. The story is about the fact that there are forces in the world that oppose God's plan for his people. And yet, God's plan for his people always prevails. That's the story. Right. And that story translates because as you go out in your ordinary everyday life and you try to live the way you believe God wants you to live this day, guess what? There are all kinds of forces that get in the way of that, that derail you, that that threaten to compromise uh, what you understand is the good plan of God for your life. What's the Exodus story tell us? The the Exodus story tells us God prevails over the forces in our lives that that stand in 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 opposition to His plan, and when we get uh, hung up on these 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 questions uh, like you know could could God have really done that, the the real tragedy is we miss the wisdom that the text is trying to impart to us mm-hmm. in our present day, which, which does translate right. What would you say to somebody who is is saying, well, "I I just want to be true to the text. I don't want to, I don't want to miss anything." You know, there's there's tremendous value in studying scripture, yes. and I would never yes. say that we shouldn't. I'm, I'm not yeah, I'm not about to absolutely. say we shouldn't study scripture, but but is there like where is that 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 cliff that people fall off of that ledge that people fall off of where they just can't see that they just in our again in our era it has to be black and white it has to be i mean i'm sure some of its background and where you grew up and and all those influences and what is what is halting people from from leaning into just and let let it be the art that it is well um i i i think it has been a very limited 
understanding of how God reveals himself in the world. Um, it's almost as if, not, I mean, not almost as if it, 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 we have. We have made an idol out of the Bible. We have put the Bible in the place of God. And I think historically the best theologians have always understood that the revelation of God really happens in, in, in three ways. It, it happens through, through Scripture. Um, it, it, it happens through the tradition of the church as the church engages with Scripture. And again, uh, this is you know, where the Catholic Church has got it all over the Protestants in really holding to the, to, holding to the authority of, of both Scripture and tradition, because that's what the New Testament is. The New Testament is the beginning of a tradition of interpreting the Scriptures, the Old Testament, that, that we consider sacred, you know. Yeah. So, so um, I think the best theologians have always said, we, we look at the biblical text and we look at it uh, contextually. We, we look at it in its, its setting and let it speak from its setting. We look at the tradition of how the church is engaged with the text. And then again, I think the best theologians uh, have, have said there's a role of our own experience in interpreting the text, which is, and, and again, um, <laughs> I realize that, you know, s s some people will, will take issue with this, but, but they're wrong. Um, <laughs> th there, there, there is, if the New Testament writers are right, that God puts the Holy Spirit within me to be a witness to the truth, mm -hmm. There is something in my experience that is valid in understanding how God works in the world, which is another way to say when you, when you read something in the Bible or you hear something preached from a platform in a church and you say, I don't think that's right. That doesn't make sense. I don't think God works that way you're probably right mm. it's probably the witness of the holy spirit inside of you saying uh, something's not lining up here so, so in this set in this where our question generated from exactly right you so, so you read that and you're like ah, that just exactly. doesn't make sense this, so instead of instead of exploring it the danger is when people just say, well, well, then the whole Bible's messed up. Well, or, or they say, well, well, I just, I just have to accept that. I just, you know, I, I don't, I don't like the, I don't like that God would cause somebody to do the wrong thing, but the Bible says it, I've got to believe it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just have to get over that and I'll just kind of accept that, that that's craziness. Yeah. That instead, when we read a passage like that, and we say, man, this doesn't set right. I, with, the, Bible, with, the Bible said it, but it doesn't fit the whole narrative of the Bible. Exactly. So maybe I should explore that a little more exactly. or just rest in that and just let it be. It, yeah. And, and I think you present two valid options because, you know, sometimes 
with like a passage like this, we can look at it contextually and we say, oh, okay, totally see what's going on here. Ancient world polytheism, uh, God's caused everything to happen that we can't explain. We can't explain why Pharaoh resisted this. God had to make it happen. We, we get that. There are other things in the scriptures we read and you just say, I, I, yeah. I just, I don't have any idea. Yeah, no clue. But I don't think it's saying what some people are telling me it's saying, right. you know, because right. my, the witness of the tradition of the church, you know, from the New Testament on, my own Christian experience tells me that there, there must be something here that I don't completely get or understand. And again, we do this with ancient documents all the time. We read ancient documents all the time. And we say, I have no clue mm -hmm. what they're talking about here. Right. Have no clue what they're referencing, what practice they're describing. Just, just don't understand. We it. just go with it. We just There's, go with it. In fact, we're going to run into stuff in, in the book of Leviticus. Um, you know, uh, one of the things we're going to get into is, you know, that 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 uh, before before animals are killed for sacrifice, you know, the the priest is to, to lay their hands on it. Uh, nobody understands why that was to happen. Now there are lots of people who try to explain it very convincingly, like you know, it's some transfer of guilt or whatever. There there there's none of that in in the ancient context that suggests that's why it's happened. It's one of those things that honest scholars just say, we're not sure what that was all about. Mm -hmm. It might have been this, it might have been that. We we just don't know enough about ancient Israelite sacrificial practice to be able to say this is what that was all. That this is what was going on there. So, okay. My life is not going to be any better or worse because I don't understand. And that. it doesn't discredit the scriptures. Oh, it doesn't discredit at all. Instead, think, it, instead it should elevate our appreciation for them that God is working in real time, in real space, in real history, mm -hmm. to real people to communicate these eternal truths about the nature of life, about the nature of the world, about the nature of God, about the nature of us. And you said something a moment ago that I think is key to all of that. And with that, we'll kind of bring this session to a close. It was you, you referenced John chapter 1415, where you said, don't we who are Christ followers have the Holy Spirit residing within us who part of his job is to teach and to counsel us. Yes. And so when we read something and we're scratching our head or it doesn't fit right or it doesn't feel right, that we shouldn't negate the feeling. Because I think in our culture, in our and maybe it's part of this post-enlightenment culture, it is. we've been taught don't trust feelings. It, 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 and especially if you grew up in some church traditions, right. you never trusted right. feelings. Right. And but yet, but yet, even by saying that we're negate, we're, we're going against what what Jesus, it, this was Jesus narrative yeah. in John, the Holy Spirit is given to you to be a counselor, right? Because there will be moments where you need to figure it out. And the Holy Spirit whispers, yeah. and we may not understand exactly what it is, and it may not feel right. And we should at least maybe not wholesale buy it in the moment. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is the pizza from last night. We'll sure, figure that right. out. That's but right. pay attention to it and study that and go back and check it out. Get more information. Yeah. Pray on it. Search other resources. Right. 
talk to other godly people to get uh, uh, guidance because right. again, I, and I think it's, it's, you know, we should have t-shirts that may, may with this phrase. <laughs> if it doesn't make sense, it probably isn't. Right. And, you know, and, it, and boy, you know, nothing, nothing has done more damage to the, the work of the church in our present culture than to act as if that is not true, right. you know, uh, and, 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 it's just it's just craziness and and uh yeah so so yeah. pay attention and if you don't if something doesn't make sense trust that there, there's probably something there that, that 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 we don't understand or that you don't see in the moment yeah because as at the end of the day it, it, none of this should drive us away from studying god's word it should drive us to deepen my, our study in god's word my, my hope and 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 it's sad to say because because the critics of what we're talking about would would say that that you know we're um i mean the theological term is that that, that we have a low view of scripture mm -hmm. it is just the opposite it is because we have such a high regard for the scriptures that we aren't going to treat them flippantly mm -hmm. that we aren't going to treat them callously that we're going to bring our best thinking our best understanding to try to get at what god is revealing in them um and and i would say to do anything less is, is pure laziness because i think if we study we can show ourselves approved there you go so uh and that is what we want to do here at mclean that's why we've been doing the immerse beginnings uh challenge uh, don't forget to check out all of the resources we have available at mcleanchurch.org from there you'll see a link to the immerse beginnings page and you'll see it up how to pick up the beginnings book uh, as well as downloadable family resources personal journals and a link to the audio recordings of the readings there's also a link for these Monday gatherings where we are recording the Facebook group that we have uh, on social media and also how to submit your questions. Again, my thanks to Pastor Brian Kelly for joining us today. He'll be back again as we answer more of your questions. And a big thank you one more time to our Immerse Gathering audience live and in person and on Zoom. Hello to everyone out there. <laughs> And uh, if you're interested in being part of this gathering and podcast audience, you can join us at our Edinburgh campus on Mondays in February and March of 2021 from 6.30 to 8 o'clock p.m. or join us via Zoom. Again, to see all things Immerse offered by McLean Church, visit our website at mcleanchurch.org. We want to answer your questions. That's why we're here. So submit those questions for a future podcast to questions at mcleanchurch.org questions with an s at mclane church.org well we'll be back at, again next week with more for the mclean church ministry podcast and the immerse challenge if you'd like to support the podcast and help us to impact a region for jesus christ visit mcleanchurch.org give and make a donation in any amount for now thanks for listening and we'll see you next time